Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and a big thank you to everyone who's been in touch to to share their support and their thanks about some of the amazing conversations that we're having and the resources that we're able to share and hopefully help you with and get some insights and creativity and understanding into into where you're working and how you're involved in education. Just it's fantastic to hear that it's making a difference. So yeah, thank you very much indeed. Now, if you'd like to keep up to date with everything or carry on the conversation related to anything that's happening on the podcast, if you go to educationonfire.com forward slash fire, you can find out more about these fire elements of feedback, inspiration, resilience and empowerment, and also some of the insights of what's going on ready for our 250th episode, which we're going to be launching in the beginning of May. And I'm excited to sort of give people a little bit of an an insight into exactly how that's working and, and some of the developments we're going to have with the podcast. Now today we're talking about Study Help. Study Help was co-founded by academic expert Amy Buckley. With over 25 years of teaching experience, Amy is a highly sought-after expert. With a distinguished career as a public school teacher with a focus on special needs education, she's uniquely qualified to ensure that students get the help they need to be truly successful at school. Their mission is to help students succeed in elementary, middle school and high school and beyond. All of the sessions are led by accredited teachers or field experts following the guidelines of your school's curriculum. That way, rather than just completing homework, students are getting the comprehensive help they need to improve their school grades and their experience. Now, this one-to-one sort of idea of tutoring and support, I think, is really important for, for so many people. And I hope that this conversation gives you some ideas about how you can get that help and, and where you can find out the support that you need. Now, I'll be talking to Amy straight after a quick thank you to our sponsor. The National Association for Primary Education is a non-political UK charity. As Vice Chair, I'm delighted to be hosting six online CPD events to enable you to be supported as educators, no matter where you are in the world. To find out more information, go to nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. That's nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's always great to chat to people from different countries. Obviously, I'm here in the UK, and it's great to be able to chat to someone in the US and especially all the way over in California. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Excited to speak with you this morning. So please tell us a little bit about your sort of your background into education and exactly what you're working on now through Study Help. So honestly, when I was in college... <clears throat> or in high school, if you had told me I was going to become a teacher, I would have thought you were insulting me. Um, That wasn't my intention. I was going to be a psychologist. And that is actually my degree from the University of California in Santa Cruz. And when I left, I was going to take a year off and work as a therapeutic assistant at a school for children with emotional needs. And they ended up, I ended up in a classroom working with students that way. And I realized that I really loved working with 
children. So that was something that, yes, I wanted to do, but that I was more interested in teaching them than doing the therapeutic aspect. And I was really lucky that that school actually paid for me to go back to school and get my credential. So I did that. And then I ended up at the public school that I'm at now, where I've been for 20 years teaching high school. And a lot of parents would ask me for resources for tutoring. And I just didn't have any really to offer them. And with classes shutting down and everything going virtual, a friend of mine said, hey, we should start a tutoring platform where teachers can connect with students outside of school because obviously things have been very unique. And it wasn't like we didn't need that resource before, but now we really needed it. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. Because in a classroom, I have, you know, I have a small classroom because I teach special ed. So I might have 16 students where a regular classroom is 30, 32 students. And what if I had an hour to work with a, a student one-to-one? -one? The difference that I could make in, in that period of time, because in a classroom I might have a few minutes, right, moving around, but to really be able to invest that time with a student and see the growth. So Study Help was born and I am absolutely loving it. I have the opportunity to recruit the best teachers I know. And it's so exciting to see them work with families and the families just love them. And they're so appreciative, which is something that is really tough in education right now. We don't, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of appreciation. Um, and I think it's because classrooms are so big and resources are so limited that, you know, it's, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of frustration for parents. There's a lot of frustration for teachers. And having this opportunity to really invest in the student has been really wonderful. So one of the things that comes up a lot on the podcast is this kind of relationship that we have sort of student to teacher and, and the fact mm -hmm. that it's it's that connection often makes a really big impact on their life. And And I think these sorts of you know, tutoring or mentoring or, or however you sort of get to that kind of, it doesn't always have to be one-on-one, -on -one, but th that sort of sort of small group or one-to-one -one right. kind of tutoring that really helps. I, th I think it just gives a confidence and, um, and, and, I, and I guess just the environment itself enables it to kind of be very sort of proactive and productive in a way that like say the sort of the larger classrooms find it hard to do. Right. And I know in the beginning, often it's difficult to get children to start the tutoring for the first time because they're thinking, oh, more school, I don't need more school. But by the end of the first session, they're hooked. I have a hard time getting saying goodbye because the kids at the end of the session, they want to tell me all their stories and show me their cat. And, you know, that it's like the seven minute goodbye because they're just, you know, they want to have that experience. And now they've had. 50 minutes of attention totally on them, which is so, so good for our children just to have that focused attention 
that's their time that they know it's their time and so is it always one-to-one or do you have um some small group stuff as well we do small group uh sessions as well yes um we we have some courses too like we have coding that we do which i didn't really know what was what coding was until this started and um, when we first launched the coding class, I sat in the coding classes and my two twin nieces that are 10 now took it and they just loved it. And I realized, wow, coding is really about problem solving and thinking things through logically. And what a great way. It's so similar to like chess or checkers where you have to think a little bit ahead. Yeah. And these things always have a wholly different complexion don't they like you say when you're thinking about it in terms of problem solving as opposed to oh yeah i now need to do like like i said before another subject or extra learning mm-hmm. or anything like that it just that it has a real purpose about what it is that you're you're doing so how does it work sort of practically is it a question of um of people coming to you and saying we need help and support and studying and tutoring on this particular area or are there are various things which you're happy to cover which they then already know which they sort of buy into how does it work from that standpoint well the family reaches out to me either via email or we have a consultation and even when we do email first then we follow up with a consultation and myself or one of my other core teachers speaks with them about what it is they're looking for specifically because every family is different we just this weekend i just met with a family from singapore and they have a second grader and a seventh grader and what they're looking for is very specific so they want their children to be tutored ahead of what their academics are in the classroom so that they're prepared prior to that being introduced in the classroom, where I also have students who they bring their homework because they're struggling with their homework and their concepts, and the teachers have access to that curriculum. They send them their homework ahead of time. The teacher knows what's gonna, what they're going to be looking at, and then they sit down and they do the homework with the teacher. I also have students who are working on their essays for college, entrance to college. And so we have a teacher that that works with students to get those prepared. That's great. So then people could really, like you say, get exactly what they need from from, mm-hmm. from their where their standpoint and how it then goes through. So so you're based in California. How does it work in terms of the the, the range of people? Obviously you have that sort of networking community within your sort of immediate world but I mean I guess being online it, it, it can actually transform as far and wide as it needs to be well this is a very interesting point because I actually have been studying martial arts for about 25 years about the same amount of time and I've traveled around the world I've actually had friends in the UK and Germany and all over the world. And the interesting thing about martial arts is there's a lot of teachers that do martial arts. So I have this network around the world of people who are teachers that I know 
and they have friends. And so my teachers aren't solely based in California. I have teachers on our platform that are in Minnesota and South Carolina, all over the United States. I don't have teachers from outside of the United States because I can't check their credentials. I can't do the background check. Every, every teacher on our platform is somebody I know who I've also checked their credentials and they've gone through a background check to make sure that, you know, they're going to be safe. And that's that's such a big thing, isn't it? To make sure mm-hmm. that everyone and that's the thing about setting the environment, I guess, isn't it? It's making sure that you like to say everyone feels safe because they know all that's in place as well as right. sort of having having that ongoing sort of tutor teacher relationship as well, where you like to say you can sort of dive in and, and give that support and understanding mm-hmm. as you as you go through. Um in terms of subject matter, is there is there a specific range? You've talked about coding and those sorts of things as well. Are there some subjects that you don't cover or certain things that you, you prefer to cover? Primarily, our students are looking for math and English support. But we do have other areas like science. Um, those are more impacted right now. So... Like I said before, I really only have the very best teachers on our platform. So I may not be able to match a student immediately because I have to wait for an opening, but you know that you're gonna get an excellent teacher. In a classroom, in a public classroom, you don't really know what you're gonna get, right? And I'll say for myself, I know that 20 years ago, as, as excited and uh, how dedicated I was to being a teacher, I wasn't as good of a teacher as I am now because you learn, you grow, you work with people. And so the teachers that I have on the platform are really experienced, excellent teachers that I know are going to provide the best educational services to the families and i think one of the other things that we really like to discuss here that makes a big thing is the is the idea of community mm-hmm. um and 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 by that i kind of mean sort of every stakeholder always sounds like a strange word but the stakeholder and every student and every pupil you know and that is the school it is the teacher it like i say it's mm-hmm. it's the tutors it's the mentors it, it's some um, people in um clubs and sports and music and, and ev- everyone everyone part of that and i think having having the sense that you can get what you need for your child is such an is such an important thing and and i'm guessing it sort of is it's more parents looking out to see this is available or do you also sort of get other teachers within the school that can then sort of offer that support to say look we know this is available maybe this would be helpful for you you know we're relatively new so that hasn't developed yet but i'm hoping that that will come to fruition. We do actually have students that have reached out to us, um, older high school students who have found us on their own. And then the parents get involved because generally it's the parents that are paying for it. But I really don't know any parent that if a student reached out and said, hey, I need tutoring and I found this 
great place that a parent would say, oh, no, we can't do that, right? <laughs> I mean, that's one of those things that as a parent, you're so excited about. My niece is six years old, and this summer, um, she lives in Colorado, and I live in California, and we were on vacation together, and we were walking along, and she brought up the fact that I have this tutoring, and can I tutor her on reading? And I was so taken aback by that because she's six. And I was so impressed that she was thinking that way. So I told her mom, I said, you know, she came up with this on her own and it's so amazing. And so every Monday night now we hop on a session and we work on her reading and it's a very special time because she gets one-to-one anti-time and she's a plane ride away, but we still have this, this way to connect. Yeah, that's fantastic. And like you say, a lot of it's awareness. And I think so much of that's true in, in education generally. It's that the, the, the starting point of I just go to school and then, you know, at the age of 16 or 18 or depending on where you live, you come out the other end and you're educated in inverted commas <laughs> and then you decide what to do as right. opposed to the fact that, you know, education is a gift and it's also a tool for you. And mm-hmm. so when you kind of feel like, ah, oh, right, what's available to me? Yes, I'm in this school and it might be fantastic. It might support you it might not who, who knows depending on your circumstances but that's just one piece of the puzzle and there are other things around which you can understand and you can like I say from such a young age just be aware of so that you can get what you need and and that sounds like not the perfect example of that albeit a very personal one and and it's very true I have a lot of students that will complain about writing essays they're like when am I ever going to write an essay in real life and I always tell them that Learning to write an essay isn't necessarily about learning to write an essay. You learn to write an essay so you learn how to organize your thoughts. And that's really the importance of writing an essay is practice organizing your thoughts so that when you're presenting an idea or in a job you want to start something new, a new program, that you can pull on those skills that you've learned in school to organize your thoughts in a way that you can present them to someone else and have them make sense and be relevant and hook the person that you're talking to into being excited about your idea. And I think that's where education comes alive and it's also where sometimes it gets missed because unless it's relevant to the people being taught whatever it is at any given time, it just becomes another thing to do, doesn't it? And Mm -hmm. actually when you can see, ah, right, so this is, you know, relevant to what might happen in the future, but also, like I say, if you're having to then present something in school or debate something or be able to try and put your point of view across for anything, all those skills come through. And and I even think about it myself, you know, as I'm I'm a professional musician. I mean, when would I ever use, you know, um, maths and English and that sort of thing and then you come out of college and all of a sudden I'm having to put budgets together for a tour and I'm having to write my resume and I'm having to um, you know put something together for a proposal to get funding for something you think all of those skills that I had which I just did at school because I had to be at school suddenly come to the fore and anything I don't know I'm then actively looking to find a solution to but I have those skills in place that I can then adapt and it's relevant at the time and I think the sooner you understand that then, then the easier that is to become. And as much as I try and tell them things are relevant, I don't know that they necessarily believe me. 
we were just doing cover letters with my seniors for, you know, applications, resumes. And some of them, I was like, you know, there's two piles. There's the, I'll look at this and this goes straight into the bin pile, right? And if you don't cross off every T and dot every I, that is definitely not going to make it because they're looking at that as this is the kind of worker you're going to be, even if it has nothing to do with writing. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it? How you how you show up in the world in, 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 in every sense. And that comes from a smile. It comes from a hello. It comes from being interested in life and that kind of thing as well. And I think that sort of personal responsibility in terms of doing that. And, I, and like I said earlier, I think when you feel like these are education's a gift and the opportunities are a gift, but more than that, it gives you what you need in order to live your life. That that's that I think is is such an important thing. So. Is there a teacher or a, or a school experience or something which you can remember which had a really big impact? And like I say, it may have helped you to get take that step into the profession or, or even in, in the sort of the tutoring development that you've done recently. You know, the teacher I want to talk about actually was my fourth grade teacher. And I wouldn't say that, I would say that she changed my life in the fact that Every day after lunch, she would read to us. And we, we weren't following along. We were just listening to the story. And I can remember the first story she read to us was Caddy Woodlawn. And I can remember pieces of the story. And we're talking, let's see, how many, 30-some <laughs> years ago that I heard that story. And it just sparked my interest in reading. And between... The summer of fourth and fifth grade, I went from being one of the, the lowest readers in the classroom to one of the highest because I thought, hmm, maybe is there something to this reading thing? And I was always had a fantastic imagination and I didn't realize that books tapped that and just that excitement and I remember you know, my parents didn't buy me a ton of stuff, but in the United States, we have this scholastic book club and you get this little pamphlet in your classroom and you can order books from it and they get delivered and I would bring it home and I'd so excited and I'd circle all the books I wanted. And then the day they were delivered, I'd have this big pile of books on my desk and I was so excited to read all these books <clears throat> and it really pushed me to be a really big reader. And even as an adult, that's my escape, right? In the evening when I'm like, okay, I need, I need my time now, I'll go and I'm reading. And I would say that that definitely changed my life because that ability to read and to be engaged in reading is just so fundamental to being successful in many ways, not in every way, but in many ways it is. And it's something that I try and bring into my classroom and with my students is that I don't care what they read. You want to read a, a recipe book? You want to read? I have a student who's really into fishing. And so we found him fishing books. And then, you know, we try and step 
from there into books about stories about fishing instead of just reading about different types of lures and, and what have you. So that I think you don't always know. My mom thought she was not a very good teacher. I just want you to know that my mom was not a fan of Miss Robinson, but I am a huge fan of Miss Robinson. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think she's my only elementary school teacher whose name I remember. And I don't just remember her name. I remember that story. I remember what happened. I remember the petticoats and the half dollar and, you know, the things that happened in that story. And and I think what's amazing, there are a couple couple of things. One is the fact that you can open that door to reading, having not been reading yourself. You know, the fact that it's, it, it can be a very personal thing, just you and your book, but it can be a collective thing. Like I say, when someone's reading to you and it just opens that story, um world that you may not have been aware of before or or just kind of give you something about that connection which makes a big difference um and also there's something about the time element of having a story read you or even doing it yourself time seems to stop you kind of immerse yourself in something um and i, I was recording a, a podcast earlier today we were just talking about the lack of time within the curriculum so often it's sort of lesson to lesson we need to tick this box do that go here short lunches now because we don't want people hanging around and it's just that continual energy and that's fast pace of everything and there's just something amazing about reading and and that sort of breadth of just it just gives you some time out you know we were talking about well-being specifically on that thing but i think well-being and that sort of thing comes from the environment that you have and i think all of these skills and this understanding is something that just supports you much further than like you say just just happen to have been someone reading you a story you know, I'm so excited when I see a kid walking around on campus with a book in their hand. I'm like, wow, that is so great. And, you know, talking about taking that breath, when I see a student in my classroom and we're kind of between things and maybe they're just dazing off, I'm like, are you daydreaming? Great. <laughs> Keep daydreaming. You're not looking at your phone. I feel like daydreaming is a little bit of a lost art with our children because the minute they have a down time, they're right on a device doing Roblox or, you know, looking at social media or what have you. And what happened to daydreaming? I feel like that is an essential human trait that so much of our imagination and the things that we create come from those middle moments when we're not looking at a screen we're just letting our minds go. And I'm sure as a musician, you probably feel like some of your best ideas have come in those moments that are like the in-between moments where, where something just sparks in your head. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I think it's the epitome in so many ways of connection, you know, and, and I think we all get that sense of relief, that sense of knowing when, when th- there's a connection between you and whatever you believe in, whether it's a spiritual thing, whether it's just the world around you or the environment or the space that you want to spend that little bit of time in. Um, And I think, like you say, daydreaming gives you that opportunity. And you're so right about the devices that that you just can't have any space because it has to be filled with something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether that's just habit now because that's what people do or the fact that I think sometimes people are scared of that space because it kind of it's uncomfortable because you've never experienced it before and where it can be such a supportive thing 
it's it's something that's a little bit kind of oh no I can't do that because that might it might take me into a world that I don't want to sort of be aware of and I might discover something I didn't know um but I think I think you're absolutely right it's a really fascinating thing and I think wherever we can find that in whatever it happens to be um I, I think it's very supportive for people generally speaking um is there a piece of advice that you were given which you think would really help people or, or indeed is there a piece of advice you might give your younger self now looking back Definitely. I think as a teacher and as, a, as an adult in the lives of children, the number one most important thing, the most important attribute, the most important element of success in a student is your relationship with them. If they trust you, if they know you care about them, if they know that you are there for them, that you're supporting them, that you believe in them, they are gonna be so much more engaged, excited. They're gonna work hard because they care about that relationship and they care about your respect. And I just think that in, in this day and age, it gets harder and harder because our classrooms are so impacted student-wise because there just aren't enough teachers to go around that making that connection has become harder and harder. But it's such an important element to success in our students, in our children, is, is just knowing that, that they can do it, that you believe they can do it, that you're gonna help them, that you're not gonna let them fail, that they're going to be successful because as we know confidence is such an essential quality to have in in moving forward when you feel like you can do something you're much more willing to take it on i think that's so true and i think that that connection and that knowing that i can see you and you can see me and it's more than just like you say that teacher people relationship makes all the difference and i think that's the key to absolutely everything but it just struck me at the same time that it's actually having that time and that um those conversations around some of those things that also opens up those doors like you say you know Mm -hmm. if a pupil that you know is really interested in fishing and that opens up the conversation about reading a particular thing whatever their interest whatever they happen to be and that only comes from time and conversations Mm. um, and a different type of connection necessarily but Mm. it it, it all just has so much more benefit it all has so much more benefits for everybody really i know so much more about fishing right now (laughs) just from this year i know a lot (laughs) i didn't know anything before but i know a lot about fishing now because i listened to Every Monday, I hear the stories about the weekend, and I think that's important to listen and, you know, take that time where, okay, well, maybe my emails are backing up. Who cares? You know, this is this is a much more important investment right now than all the other busy work that we have as adults. And let's be honest, we have a lot of busy work that really doesn't impact very much, but we have to get it done. It also makes me think a little bit about the fact that so often we have this sort of student-teacher relationship, whereas, you know, as the teacher, you know everything, (laughs) in inverted commas, and and, and, and as a pupil, you know less. Um, And I think when when the dynamic's much more about we're going to learn together, 
um, that gets really exciting. And it can happen within the curriculum as well, because it doesn't have to be um, that I know everything and I'm going to tell you what it is. It's much more productive. It's a different way. But I think when that dynamic is changing, because it's about, like you say, might be a hobby or something which you actually do know nothing about, which you can then be informed and taught by a younger person. I think that just creates an atmosphere in it. Like I say, it creates that relationship and it builds that trust. And, and that fit just feeds into everything that you've been talking about, I think. And not as a teacher, not being afraid to admit if you have an error. I give my students extra credit if they realize that, you know, I've written the wrong word on the board or so forth, you know, because they're paying attention. So sometimes I just do it on purpose, you know, to see, okay, well, because they're excited. They're like, oh, you wrote the, you wrote the wrong name. I'm like, oh yeah, I did. Good job catching that. And, you know, it, it keeps them engaged, but also lets them see how I handle mistakes. And I'm modeling that because if I, if I behaved in a manner where the expectation was that I was always going to be perfect, then they're going to think that as adults, they need to be that way. And by, by teaching them that it's okay to have a misstep, that they're going to take those things in stride as adults, but also as students. They're not going to be so worried. We have so many students that are just paralyzed by that need for perfection you know, where they won't even start because they don't know if it's going to be right. It's like, just give it a shot. <laughs> just throw it out there. You know, it's okay if it's not perfect. It's okay. We just need a place to start. I love it. And I think it, it's such an environment which is so needed and so positive and, and one that often doesn't happen because I, I think there is that sort of default of as a, as a pupil to think I need to show that I'm going to get full marks. I'm going to be right. Or if I don't show, I'm going to be wrong. And I think what you said there so perfectly is that when that environment is different and it's just part and parcel of it and then you can see the benefits and the real true learning that comes from mm -hmm. that then everybody's going to win and, uh, and 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 i think that's that's really powerful and it's not something to be embarrassed about yeah that everyone makes a mistake sure. it's okay and by creating an environment that allows for mistakes we grow so much faster because we're not hesitating to put things out that might not be right. Yeah, absolutely. And is there a resource that you'd like to share that's had an impact on your life? And this can be anything from a book, a, a film, a song, a podcast, a, a, anything that you, you'd like to share. You know, one of my favorite resources is the public library. I, where else can you just find hundreds and hundreds of books and they're free so making that you don't have to buy them on amazon um you know you go there and having a relationship with your librarian i think is really important i love it because you know i walk in and oftentimes a librarian has stashed a book for me because they already know what i like to read and it's so exciting because librarians love that stuff. I mean, you become a librarian because you love books and they are truly an expert in finding the right book 
for each person. And I would say, you know, it's like having a concierge, but it's free. You, know, you don't have to go to a very expensive hotel to have this concierge. You just walk into the library and you can walk out with something really amazing. And so I just encourage people to really use their public libraries. Yeah. And I think in a day and age, like you say, where it's all about online and the ability just to to do something easy there's something about again the relationship like you say between yourself and the librarian that the mm -hmm. atmosphere of being in a library the fact that you know you have this whole world that you can actually see and touch and feel and smell and you know it's a, just a different way of experiencing life and and so much about what we do should be about the experience rather than just the immediate satisfaction or knowledge i think and i love the smell of the library i think it's funny that you said that that's like my favorite smell and yeah. I love to check out a book and think about how, who read this book before me? Now, how many people have read this book? Because sometimes you get a book and you can tell it's been well-loved and you're like, hmm, I wonder whose house this is sat in. I wonder if this has been to the beach or the mountains. And, you know, it's nice to have a kind of an artifact like that, that you can enjoy and, and think about who else might have enjoyed this book before me. Yeah, I love that. You've got that in that you've got that personal connection between you and the author from the actual content that you've got, and then you've got that collective sharing, like you say, from 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 exactly what you just said. I love that. It's fantastic. What a lovely way to finish. So, Amy, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's it's really fascinating hearing hearing your thoughts on everything, but also I I love the fact that you've put yourself out there to help people in in a way that obviously you became aware of and people were asking you for and I think when these things happen naturally and organically um, they always have so much more power so please share um, where people can find out more and, and how they can get involved if they'd like to. So online if you go to study.help that's it study.help real easy it will pull up my website and there is a button you can click for a consultation Otherwise, um, you can also email me through that button. There's an option to either meet like you and I are meeting right now or to chat via email. So I hope that many of your listeners jump on and talk with me. I'd be happy to help them and support them. And we have many students from other countries, not just from the United States. So I am pleased when that happens. It's so exciting and so fun for us. Fantastic. And I think that kind of that global element so exciting and so lovely. And I think just that sense of whatever you need as a student, what you want to support your your children with as a parent or and like I say, even if indeed that becomes um teacher to teacher, however that comes about, I think is a fantastic resource and a, and the way forward for education and how it can grow and all that kind of thing. So Amy, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. It has been quite lovely and I have very much enjoyed it myself. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.